The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. John said to him, Teacher, we saw a man who was driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he doesn't belong to our group. Do not try to stop him, Jesus told them, because no one who performs a miracle in my name will soon afterwards to be able to say evil things about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I assure you that anyone who gives you a drink of water because you belong to me will certainly receive a reward. If anyone should cause one of these little ones to lose faith in me, it would be better for that person to have a large millstone tied around his neck and be thrown into the sea. So if your hand makes you lose your faith, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life without a hand than to keep both hands and go off to hell, to the fire that never ceases. If your foot makes you lose your faith, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life with a, with a, a foot than to keep both feet and, and be thrown into hell. If your eye makes you lose your faith, take it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to keep both eyes and be thrown into hell. There the worms that eat them never die, and the fire that burns them is never put out. Everyone will be purified by fire as a sacrifice is purified by salt. Salt is good. If it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have the salt of friendship among you and live in peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, Jack, you want to come in here? Wow. Um, Jesus said, salt is good. Why do you think he said that? Max? What? Salt is tasty on scrambled eggs. Yes. Can you think of anything else? Yeah, salt makes our food taste better. It just enhances the flavor. But a little bit of salt on, on things is good. Do you know? It is. Salt is very strong. Did you know that uh, bread dough has salt in it? Did, uh, have you ever made cookies with your parents and like chocolate chip cookies or something yeah. like that? Is there salt that is added, a little bit of salt is added to that too, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So what does this have to do with our gospel lesson today? Jesus said salt is good. He also said have the salt of friendship among you. Get along otherwise. And you know what? You know what I like to salt? I like to salt popcorn. And I just have a little bit of popcorn here. Okay, see the popcorn? Okay. So, if I am going to salt, listen, if I am going to salt the popcorn, I can't just salt one kernel, can I? That would be very hard to do. Instead, I'm going to salt the whole thing. Get in the middle, too. Okay. Okay, so we can think of salt as 
God's love. And God's love gives our lives flavor, doesn't it? Yes. And um, it also gives us um, friendship. So if you substitute salt for friendship in this passage, you have God as love, you're as love, and you're a salt shaker or a love shaker. How's that? And you guys get to go out into the world and spread your little love, love shaker. Do we get to eat the popcorn? You may have some popcorn. Can Jack have popcorn? There you go. So you go with Miss Debbie and be the best little salt shakers of love that you can be. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. morning. Please be seated. About 10 years ago, I found myself being introduced to the role of hospital chaplain at UCLA Medical Center. My supervisor was giving my small group of new chaplains a tour of all 10 stories and about half a million square feet in the building that then served as UCLA's medical center. Each floor had hundreds of doors to patient rooms, offices, and huge research labs. And each door was meticulously labeled with name and location information, except for one. It was a large door on the first floor, and it was completely blank. I've seen this in other hospitals where I've worked, and sometimes it's labeled with an anonymous label such as ancillary storage or special pathology. It's the morgue. And where pathologists keep larger tissue samples awaiting further evaluation. The stark image of that cold room at UCLA was the first thing that popped into my mind when I read today's gospel lesson from Mark, where the disciples chastise an unknown follower of Jesus and where Jesus himself talks about cutting off body parts, tearing out an eye, going to hell, hanging a giant millstone around your neck just before you drown yourself in the sea. Well. This seems like a good time for us to stand and sing what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> Oddly enough, this reading doesn't make it into the top 10 for funerals and weddings. It is Jesus at his most graphic. 
Jesus is teaching his followers the true cost of discipleship. It's not a casual decision to follow him. There are no breaks. You don't get to stop at the Galilee Starbucks for a camel milk latte and a papyrus cup. Everything you do will have consequences and the worst thing you can possibly do is to try to inhibit the coming of the kingdom of God as the disciples attempt to do in the reading we just heard. Now I say that I'm a follower of Jesus, but sometimes my thoughts and actions betray my true sinful nature. Talking one way and acting another. Saying that we're all God's children, but then treating someone like they're an orphan. Talking about God's gifts to me but forgetting to share them with others. When people look at you and me and this church, they need to see something that's set apart, something true and welcoming. Jesus is telling us that we need to watch our mouths and our actions because telling someone they are not part of the kingdom of God is the worst thing we can do. We cannot stand by and do nothing when another is hurting. Jesus is saying it would be better if your body was harmed than the soul of another damaged. On September 23, 2001, government officials, Placido Domingo, Oprah Winfrey, and a group of pastors, rabbis, and imams gathered with thousands of people at Yankee Stadium to pray and mourn the tragic loss of so many on 9-11. Reverend David Benke of the Missouri Lutheran Church participated by leading a prayer and several months later was suspended from ministry because he stood with leaders of other faiths outside the small circle which his denomination defined as theologically true. Jesus makes it clear that caring for others, whoever they are, and bringing glory to God through those actions is our responsibility as believers. To see needs with our eyes, to walk to where we are needed with our feet, and to reach out and lend a hand to those who look to us as God's servants. The followers of Jesus hopefully grow throughout our lives to recognize that God calls all types of people to do God's work in the world, even those people who tend to make us feel uncomfortable. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say that God especially seems to like to use those that are unexpected and make us feel a little uncomfortable and who don't want to carry on a conversation with a burning bush or suddenly hear that they're the parents of Jesus. <laughs> Following Jesus means that we must embrace a humility that recognizes God's work outside of our tradition, our theology, and our comfort zone. God will not allow the work in the kingdom to come to a halt just because we are unable or sometimes unwilling to do our part.
God will accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And so Jesus encourages the disciples to allow work in the kingdom outside of their own small circle of friends. A small splinter has little power and a potential for big pain, but bound together into a wooden beam, those splinters can build a house, carry a heavy burden, and work as one rather than as rivals. Two businessmen were great rivals. When one bought a computer, the other got two. When one bought the most expensive iPhone, the other got two. When one built a mansion, the other built two. One night, an angel visited one of the men and said, you can ask for anything you want and I will give it to you. However, your rival will get you mean if I ask for a million dollars, I can get it? Yes, but your rival will get two million. Well, I'm gonna to need to think about this. The angel said, okay, I'll be back in the morning for your answer. That night, the businessman tossed and turned as he tried to think of what to ask for until he decided on an answer. As promised, the angel returned the next morning and asked the man, so what would you like? The man said, I will settle for one blind eye. Whoever is not against us is for us. The call of Christ is not served by rivalry or by rejecting others who are different from ourselves. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than our little place in the world. I sometimes listen to the Calvary Chapel radio call-in show, and a few years ago, a caller asked, why does my friend always give up something for Lent? The pastor radio host that day said, it's because she doesn't know that she can't earn salvation. Well, that unfortunate answer is a whole other sermon. <laughs> but it points out that values and traditions that are different from our own, that give glory to God, are just as much a part of the kingdom of God as our own small comfort zone. A simple and beautiful act of piety has just as much belonging to the work of God as does a Christian radio show. Maybe even more. Christ is our peace and his death on the cross is the sacrifice that brings us together to work toward God's kingdom of peace. It breaks down the dividing walls between us and God and between each other. If God is for you, who can possibly be against you? The disciples like us want to follow their own comfortable way, but God provides the way of peace 
and the way of becoming one with God. Don't be so busy being part of a splinter that you miss the gift of becoming one in Christ, given for you on the wooden beams of the cross. Poet Edwin Markham wrote, he drew a circle to shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout, but love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took him in. Amen. <laughs>